Hola a todos, ¿qué onda? Habla Saul Martinez. I am your host for Con Safos Latinx Creator Podcast. Thank you for joining us tonight uh, or today, whatever time you are listening. And if you are listening for the first time, um, what is Con Safos? It is your place to check out new art. Really, uh, in, in all actuality, it's just trying to give ourselves the highlight that we deserve. Our stories are relevant. Our stories are meaningful, impactful in this nation. What we try to bring to the forefront is the opportunity to to hear these stories, these Latinx experiences that are so similar yet so different. They vary from person to person. We're not an autonomous uh, culture. You know, we come from many different lands, or our parents did, or our grandparents did. But at the end of the day, what it, what we end up with is a lot of Chicanos, Latinx people that are wandering these this this land. And we really don't know where we belong. No soy de aquí, ni soy de allá, right? Nepantla, um, if you know that concept of of towing the line between here and there, not really belonging anywhere. That starts sounding like a Dr. Seuss story. I'm sorry about that, but... Um, all right, it's nice to get feedback. So uh, we'd like to give a shout out to Grace out of Washington State, who recently emailed us. And she says, hi, I finally had the opportunity to listen to Consapo's podcast. Congratulations and thank you. I feel like a found tribe. As second generation Mexican-Americans, we can all relate to Edward James Ormo's line in Selena. We had to be more Mexican than the Mexicans and more American than the Americans. It's an anthem. Keep them coming. So thank you, Grace. That means a lot to us. And for everybody else, you can find a way to email us on the contact tab on our website at consapospodcast.com. You could also message us on Instagram or Facebook, wherever you can find us. You can also reach us at cspodcastinfo at gmail.com. And for other things on consapospodcast.com, you can click on the tab that says Latinx artists for a growing list of artist profiles. Or click on that shop tab and check out some art-themed swag, especially that Yo Vote. If you haven't seen that shirt, it's Yo Vote, like it would say on a sticker when you vote. But it's also a yo, comma, vote, as in saying it in English. Like, come on, people, get out there and vote. It's, it's my personal favorite. Mine's coming in today, I think, of the mail. So let's let's see you guys buy some swag and, and share some pictures on Instagram. And we'll try to give you guys a shout out and sh share your pics. So send them our way. Uh, and lastly, don't know where to get some original artwork these days? Swing by your local gallery shop if, if you got one, if you have one nearby. If that's not available, Make sure you go to 1xrun.com and see a leading publisher that makes art collection a tangible thing for people that are, that are just learning to collect. Their philosophy is, you know, providing art to new art collectors and providing art collectors to artists as well. So it's kind of a mutual understanding of uh, that, that relationship is very necessary. So please check them out, 1xrun.com. And if you type in Latinx as a little uh, promo code, you get 10% off. So make sure you run over there and start becoming an art collector today. With us today is Pavel Acevedo. He's a Oaxacan printmaker based out of Riverside, California. Um, he uses a traditional language of relief print on wood typically, but also explores a lino cut and he does lithograph, he paints on walls, but always, always, always capturing that traditional relief print style um, with the deep gouge lines and the bold to thin line making and cross hatching and black the blackest you'll ever see um whether it's through ink or through black paint but it's it's just a uh, very breathtaking and what he what he prints well you'll you'll find out if you're curious to see some of his work go check him out at pavel underscore acevedo and on instagram i highly recommend you check it out he's also on speedball so if you type in pavel p-a-v-e-l and speedball you'll see that um, and that'll take you to his website Anyways, so Pavel, 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 he is an amazing, talented artist that has been honored at museums and galleries throughout. Um, he's had plenty of solo shows and group shows, and he's, he's done some amazing work collaboratively through like I Learn America to tutor young high schoolers in Los Angeles and Maryland. I mean, you name it, he's doing it, and he knows how to do it. And that's what we want to feature today is just this very talented individual who, is, you know, lives in a foreign land to to explore his craft. Without further ado, here is Pavel Acevedo and the Consafos team. Sorry, Miguel couldn't make it, um, but you'll you'll definitely see him when we interview El Comarito Collective out of the Bay Area next week. 
All right, stay tuned and hope you enjoy this episode with Pavel Lacerdo. This is the CS podcast, Consafo's Latinx Creatives Podcast. I'm sitting here with Pavel Acevedo, a talented printmaker out of Riverside, California, originally from Oaxaca, Mexico. Hi, Pavel. Hey, how are you? Thanks. Good, good, man. Thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's, it's great. Thank you. Pavel, for those people, you know, when I was in college um, doing, doing the art program, I avoided printmaking because I didn't know what it was. You know, it just kind of scared, the unknown scared me. It, it, and mm -hmm. I usually wasn't like that with any other medium, painting, sculpting. If they said those words, I would jump right at it. You know, I would, I would want to be in that class. But for some reason, printmaking scared the crap out of me. Can you describe to listeners what printmaking is, essentially like the process or... Okay, pre-making, uh, it's a way that you can reproduce an image uh, as many times as you desire. And you actually have like the, the control about like uh, jurisdiction and about like how you're gonna be like, uh, make a distribution of those uh, images. Uh, you can, pre-making, there's like many techniques, like it could be like, etching, it could be relief, and it could be actually uh, screen print is, uh, is involved in, in pre-making. It's, it's accessible in de depending on uh, what's the discipline that you're like uh, focusing on pre-making. For example, if you do like a screen print, you can just do it uh, at your house, in your kitchen. But uh, if you're planning to do etching, you might need more like um, equipment. Especially because you're like gonna like be working with some um, some uh, toxic elements, but now there've been already <coughs> some artists that they've been working with uh, with some other like alternatives. So it, it's more like friendly for the artists and for the environment. So pre-making is a is a technique that you can like mix uh, different other like techniques or like talk about them in your process, like painting, sculpture. It's great it's really really great oh that's great um you know out of all those processes you described you know relief and etching and screen printing as many different varieties and even within those there are different levels of of those methods you you largely work with relief correct yes i started working with um lithograph which is like uh yeah which is like working on a marble stone and a limestone uh so that's how I started, like, introducing it. But right now, my main is uh, relief print. Okay. And how different are those two methods? For example, um, relief print, uh, you can do it with linoleum or you can do it with wood. And it's accessible. And you can just, like, work, it, work anywhere, almost. Mm -hmm. And you can use, use a 5 by 7 print and just work at your house or in the desk or you can be working in a photoshop a photoshop on a coffee shop uh, a park and just print it by yourself if you don't have a press you can just print it by hand and actually there's other printmakers and you can just do print a large carving plate uh, wood or like uh, mdf and just print it by hand and and uh that's that's the interesting part about relief it, Versus a lithograph, it's more. Uh, it's more. Um, you need an equipment, and to maintain the equipment, you need a space like really uh, designed by for lithograph because you need to storage the marble stones, the press. I have this press, and I'm on a second floor, and uh, this was the first time uh, friends helped me to move in. I was like, it was, it was, it was, it was a challenge. So how heavy was that thing? It, it is heavy. So, and this is the one that can print like a 20 by 30, right? Yeah, 20 by 30. It's an etching press. And uh, yeah, it's, it's great. But I mean, I can, then I can just do relief print here, you know? And there's actually like some other uh, techniques where like you can do like lithograph with the wood. So it's always like, artists working on what else they can uh evolve, you know like i, I imagine that you learn a lot every every time you engage in a new process or even just with a new piece um so 
you were talking about <clears throat> different ways of, of pressing. You could do it by hand. I've seen people do it with like a steamroller, like a big cement roller. I've, I've also seen people do it with their own like vehicles. Like you place <laughs> like some wood over the top of your press and then drive over the top. And that, I mean, you create a lot of pressure that way, I suppose. I've never yeah. tried it. I've, I've always wanted to try it, but again, it, like it's fun one of these days. Because um, I mean, um, you, it has like different sizes for some different like stages. You can just be working at studio, and uh, and there's a time that you can be around like other like um, filmmakers like printing a a large wood block, you know, with the steam roller or with your car, and that's that's the uh, that's the great part about this technique, and it's always like. It's always like there's always like paths, you know, that you can try, go and learn. Because it, even when you're like working or printing with or something else, like somebody else, you learn a lot. And you learn like new tricks and everybody's like willing to share, you know, and it, it, it's fine just like share like your techniques because I mean a lot of the history of uh, pre-making, it just comes like that, you know, it's like it's been it's been accessible. Mm -hmm. Now, are there rights and wrongs? Like, are there rules in, in printmaking where, like, it's considered, like, a big no-no if you do certain, something a certain way? Or is there a lot of room for experimentation and play and, and trying new processes? You know, there's a, I mean, there's a, there is some process that you have to follow. Like, just some um, will be, like, like will be, like, um, uh, common sense, mm -hmm. but for example, for etching, there's like specifically met methods for like varnishes or like even for like to etch and like do all this dip. But there's other. I've been careful to like had a chance to be working with other in other studios and some other artists. They just print like I I didn't think it there was that way, you know. <laughs> Some other ones, I think, like, wow, really? Like, I didn't like, wow, I just like, I just like, don't say anything because I'm just, I thought I was wrong. Or <laughs> do you have any um, other mediums that you explore that you play with besides painting? I do uh, murals, and murals, uh, and I actually do work with my uh, premakers when I have the chance to like have a space for myself. Uh, to create an installation with the with, where I mix my uh, prints and the mural paints, so all comes together. So to me, it's like a way that kind of a pre-making is expanding. So I I try to like work with these uh, murals. They're like mimicking the prints that I, I work with. Them. I actually that's how I the first time that I did one project like that, that I had in mind it was with the uh, El Comalito and Vallejo. They were they're, they're they're great and that's the other part about like independent cultural spaces and DIY spaces they're always like approachable to doing anything or for the most part anything you have in mind. So they were like I told them I have this idea about like doing a mural <coughs> a mural and incorporate all these prints. They were like, go for it. <laughs> so that was one of the first part of the times that I had done it and mix it. So that's that's where I do mural murals. I finished two murals in one place. One one mural was uh the two of them was uh this college here in uh, Rancho Cucamonga in Southern California. Mm -hmm. It's just 30 minutes from 40 minutes from Los Angeles and it was at the dining area. So during Christmas, I finished one mural and right before this pandemic and all the shelter in place started, I finished the second part of the mural. So that's one thing I actually do too. Um, I've been working more with the digital illustrations right now. Um, Basically, what I've been doing with the digital, I've been mimicking the same of the relief print because it's a, I still spend a few days working with it, but there's some folks that they've been asking for like uh, commissions or there's some type of projects that by the net for the nature, it needs to be like a little bit like in the, there's like certain period of time and it's digitally, it's more like more approachable. So I've been doing that like more lately too. So yeah.
So and yeah, I, it, uh, you can definitely capture, I've, I've seen your, your digital work and it seems like you can capture your same mark making just, yeah. about, just about the same as you would in actual physical uh, relief printing. Um, but uh, I, I have to go back to your murals. They are just gorgeous. You are, you suspect that artists, you can see their growing pains and that maybe they're not as skilled in some mediums as they are in the others, but you seem to master everything you put your hands on. So, Thank you. so good job, man. Thank you. Those, those, those murals are very like spot on. The colors are rich, your lines, your hatching and cross hatching. It's just, it's just delicious. So, Thank yeah. you. Appreciate it. I, I hope you don't mind me asking, but how old are you? You look very young. Uh, um, thirty-five. Okay, okay. You just, you just age well. You just age really well. <laughs> yeah. yes. Okay, and you've been doing this for over. I thought I read about twenty years or so now. Or is it? Uh, I started. I guess I started like with printmaking when I was like nineteen years old. Mm -hmm. Because um, when I I was in Oaxaca City, running to this. Um, uh, taller called Rufino Tamayo, downtown Oaxaca. Mm -hmm. And I went in because I was, I just, it was by accident. So I just went in and look all the studios. You can go pay your fee, then just be working. And um, I started like going into the painting studio. Yeah. And later on, I just like got to know about like the lithograph studio because there was this like machine that looked with the wheel looks like a ship and and all the stones and everybody drawing out and I was like wow this seems like pretty cool you know so I went and it was something like totally different I had a before that I had a I read a, a book about printmaking I, I I was and um, I grew up in a small town in the Pacific coast of Oaxaca Mm -hmm. what, was, what was the name of the town? Uh, it's called Puerto Escondido. Mm -hmm. So there was not much. So when I got there, I only hear about lithography, about just by the book. But when I was there, I saw the process and I was like amazed. And later on, I just went on. And until probably like five years ago, it was like when I moved here and just by seeing, I don't know what was like more than accessible to me, remaking was one of the, the ones that stuck with me. Just me. Yeah, formal, I guess like five years probably will be. That's great. No, that's, that's amazing. I bet for a young boy walking in and seeing the press and seeing all of the yeah, stone, I, I bet it was, I bet it was surreal. I bet it felt like a dream, you know, just because it's everything just yeah, feels so intangible and like in a book when you're reading something in a book it just feels like you're never going to see it in person and then when you saw it yeah I mean, because maybe. even i remember when i used to read about like in the book uh, it was a book released by the universidad de veracruz mm -hmm. and um and yeah it, it gives you like a brief introduction about the pre-making techniques mm -hmm. i used to read about the lithograph and it was the one that like stuck more to me because I was like, how do you make a stamp out of like, out of like a marble stone? So, I mean, and those times uh, eating, it was like, it wasn't that, it wasn't that popular. I mean, it was just like going on, especially down there, you know? So oh. until when I went to see how like they were doing the whole process, and I do like the way that how everybody was like engaging around, you know, the studio, there's like the, the ones that are like working in the pieces, there's the one who's helping, there's the like the one who's like inking. So there's all this like environment. So that's 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 really attractive. Mm -hmm. that's, now there's a question I asked Jake Prendis uh, from last mm -hmm. week, and it's my probably my favorite question to ask any artist, local or or not. Um so when you're a young boy and you are looking through books and looking on the internet and trying to find art and something that connects with you. And all of a sudden your jaw drops when you see one piece, you drool over it. You perhaps, you know, you get emotional. Was there an art piece like that for you, a specific one created by some master where you're just like, wow, that is just, that is moving. Uh, I do remember when I was uh, eight years old, I mean, in Mexico, mm -hmm. 
what happened is the on our textbooks there was always like uh the textbooks there was always like there were like there was always pictures of art like on, our, on all the like books that were like taken for like elementary school mm -hmm. and there was all this like uh, there was a um um painting from saturnino run and it was it's uh it's like it's it's like a scene from like dia de los muertos mm -hmm. there's like family and a trajinera and they're like carrying they're like holding simpasuchil mm -hmm. i i do i remember i did like it a lot that painting and later on there was another painting from uh francisco de goya y lucientes it was from it was uh it was in a scene of like a fusilamiento. There's the mm -hmm. It was like the it was the the worst in Europe. So uh -huh. I remember. Was, it, was that the one with the horse and like all of the stabbing, or was it the one, or was it the one with the like Mayo, Cinco de Mayo, or Cinco, yeah, cinco de, de Junio, yeah. or whatever it is? Yeah, it was it, it actually yes, it was May. Yeah, it's uh, Cinco Tres de Mayo. It was the battle. Uh huh. Seeing the, I remember seeing the the painting and seeing like the faces of the people, and it was like just stuck in my in my head. And two, I, I paid it a lot of attention because my dad is a doctor, so I remember there was I'm a, I'm, a, I'm like I'm I'm a chill person, so mm -hmm. I remember it used to be like my mom used to like give me books or whatever, just to whatever, just to be there, you know, I, I was like, I'm a chill person. So I remember wow. like my dad's books. So it was all these like anatomy books. So I see all these lines, how like they used to do like the etchings and then, so I was like impressed. So when I got to see that painting, I was like, wow. Now I saw them in colors, real life. <laughs> see the story behind it. So it's like, it was great. That's just my memory, that I, first memory they felt like. Just, mm -hmm. So that's something that always catches my attention and I fail to really, I don't know how to fake the look of, of uh, linoleum block cut, like when you're working on the hatching and cross hatching, all those lines, you know, no matter what I do, no matter what pen I try, it always, it's, it's a big challenge for me. Um, but I love it. I think it's the most beautiful, even though it, it, you know, it's been around for so long. I don't know how many hundreds of years. I mean, obviously since Hokusai and all them, right? They were doing printmaking. Yeah, it's, it's um, so, but it's amazing what you can do. And that's, you know, for you, you're picking up a medium that's been around for so long and it's been played with so long, but you're still able to find something new to say with it, you know? And that's what's beautiful about art. Um, one of those things that another method or technique that I think is very prominent in yours is the shadow scuro. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, is that like something that you do intentionally or is it just autom automatic when you're working with linoleum block or wood block? When I, I like to do something like created, uh, related, created, uh, it was uh, drawing. So it was, uh, I had like pencil and a, and a paper and I just wanted to like learn how to draw. So that claro oscuro, uh, yeah, I think in Italian it's chiaroscuro, but in Spanish it's claroscuro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was always like it's the backbone, you know. So that's I was like, oh, that's how I, I I always felt like it's something just to revisit always what you learn. Mm -hmm. So for our listeners who don't know, you know, Caravaggio or chiaroscuro, you know, it's the school of working with light and darks as a like a high contrast, you know. So you often uh, like an image or an object in a dark room and light dramatic light is shining on it to the point where you yes. have really really bright bright lights and really dark dark so really intense uh, contrast and a lot of photographers use it these days so it, there's a lot of purposes for it but you know 500 years ago a man by the name of there's a michelangelo Char uh, caravaggio came up with this this idea during the baroque of, of painting things in these dramatic lights and they're the most beautiful paintings he's one of my favorites yeah. Especially for pre-making, it, it works because you always like have to do work with the high contrast of the an image too. Mm -hmm. So that's that's kind of no, it works so well. And then the ink, you know, that ink, that blackness of the ink is just yeah, it's good. It's captivating. So, can you uh, describe like your focus? Like usually, what what is your imagery? What is the art that really that you're drawn yeah. to? 
Okay, for um really drawn to work uh, about everything. It's a figurative a figure, mm -hmm. and it's because it's the way that I can relate with every everybody. And I feel like it's the images, no matter what, like language or no matter what, like it's always like it's easy to speak for people and mm -hmm. like different interpretations and layers. So to me, a figure is always like while like, it's persistent on my work um i do work in a lot of like portraits that's one of because um, um i feel like it's a way to talk about of course it, it identity but at the same time it's like the way that i relate with my my surrounding my community friends especially when i moved here to united states uh, so it's just kind of like a way that you're creating a mapping, you know, so how you're like mapping a place. So that's 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 the part that is always fun on, on my artwork, and I always like comes with all the symbolisms about like about um territorial, about like about some like uh, tales, about some symbols from like they could be related with nature, and all of those it just makes because they're they're part of like or um an identity and they're part of our of language and it's always like and it's always like um uh, expanding and it always change like constantly so i feel that's always a, that i've been running to and uh, i portrayed portrayed it on my world like all the time and i just look to to my um my myself my uh heritage and and yeah my persona so it's comes to my work it's really personal everything i love it no it's a uh, you can almost you feel everyone's soul that you draw you know with with mm -hmm. your etching tools you know with your with the carving that you the the relief that you create those people are always not just looking at you but staring at you you know, and that's one thing that I love about your artwork. Uh, we, Pavel and I were discussing, you know, how Gonzafos came to learn about his art and it was through Instagram. And there's an Instagram community of artists that share work. And, and yeah. when I saw the first print, I was like, wow, I need to see more automatically. And the more I clicked, the more I saw, it's just, you, you do capture these people, these stories and, and a glimpse of story. You want to know more, you know, if you see that, that woman, um i can't i can't think exactly what she's doing but like you want to know where you caught her and why she's looking at you the way she's looking at you so uh, thank you for t for telling stories and for keeping it so personal i i love artists that you know that don't cater to other people they're just creating their craft and and you know yeah, yeah that's it's very genuine yeah that's what it's uh i mean it's always like a number a number one Thing for me you know and that's what i've seen like through other artists that i like is that they always like first it's just like they, they work you know they always like it's a, a work studio you know you have to like developing your uh, your craft learn more about it like do your own challenges and just things will come out from there mm -hmm. so um like how how forgiving is the printmaking process for those people that are listening they're like oh what is this printmaking and i want to try it like how forgiving is a mistake when you go oops like i just cut out gouged out part of the pupil you know <laughs> <laughs> okay uh what do you do <laughs> well for for my technique for what i know i mean it's good because it helps you with character a lot I feel that it's, it's sometimes it's good to learn more about it, about let things go. <laughs> if uh -huh. there's a mistake and there's just like, a, uh, if there's no way back around, it's, it's done. You have the option to do every, everything <laughs> again. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, uh, for example, uh, my, the relief print. Um, so it takes a time for me to do it. And it's just like a brief description, like, Doing the drawing and really and getting the idea, choosing the the designs that I want, then the transfer to of that drawing to my plate and ink the plate and start like carving again. That's part of the process. It takes and it takes two days and plus the another two or three days or one day depend um, on, on my carving. But yeah, there's times where like 
right now I can I can figure out like more like where's my carbon sticking, and like if there's a mistake, I'm 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 I, I'm kind of prepared. But for example, when I I don't lithograph, I've been and and doing on my own work like having having an image and like it's gone. Something went wrong and the etching. So I. Mm. Been and seen other people work, other people's, other artists doing their work with lithograph. And it's a tiny mistake on the etching, and it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> and wow. at the same time, it's just like it, that's a great part, you know, because it, it seems easy, and it is easy. It's just like it's just you just have to like um, just be open, you know, to mm-hmm. whatever is gonna be happening there, and just being loose, but not too loose, I guess. Mm-hmm. To me, I'm like I can be loose, but it's not too loose. There's stuff that I have to always keep on for my work. But it's interesting. I think like yeah, every even first time people they when they start doing this, they they like it a lot. So that's that's a great part when somebody has the first time and they just enjoy it and they can talk to you about it. Why are the reasons for them and how do they feel it? And that's that's a good it's a good part to listen from others. Absolutely. No, I I love that you say that you have this looseness, but not really. It's controlled. You know, it's just like at some point, I'm sure you're on autopilot where you've done the process so much that you know what you're looking for and your hand knows exactly what you are looking for. So there's this like symbiotic relationship where you don't have to think so much, but you are controlling it. And uh, it's really nice to be in that zone. Yeah. Um, So go ahead. Oh, sure. We do this. Like I'm working these two pieces. Like uh, a woman. Yes. They, I, so I'm starting doing like two of this. So <laughs> that's because so for those people, for viewers, um, uh, Pavel is sharing this image of female that is embodied or an owl with a woman's head or a woman yeah. with an owl's body, one or the other. Pavel, I want to show you a painting. Well, it's, I'm still working on it, but it's my oh. son with the oh, bird body cool. over here that I'm playing around with. So. Oh, that's nice. That, that we're playing with the same idea. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, 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 is, it, is it acrylic? Yes, it's acrylic and, and some chalk to like draw over the top in a child. Oh, in it. So, so yeah, many, uh, many years ago, after traveling through España, so I traveled through Spain, I came back with the impression of the bull and how iconic it was. You know, you say you they, symbolism, oh, yeah. symbolism, right? But I also like growing up, I loved the Aztecs you know, in the temples and and just uh, the, the the glyphs and, and the codices. And so I, I decided to combine the two, but I also live in the Northwest where Native Americans around here love like totem poles and like there's a spirit animal and like the embodiment of, of something that represents you. So um, I, was, I was playing around with that idea that maybe we wear these masks to, to play a role, but at the same time, yeah. like, like let's reverse that. So all of a sudden, I, I, I started drawing bodies of the animal with us encased in, in their body. So basically, yeah. them opening their mouths and we were on the inside. That's just another further exploration of, of now my, my son. I, I haven't discovered his spirit animal, but for now, he's my spirit animal. You know, like, it's incredible. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah, so I'm just yeah. kind of goofing around. But getting back to it, because the conversation is about you, not about, like, the, I mean, no, the beautiful, be, beautiful pieces that you just shared right there. Um, so how often uh, or how many prints do you tend to make of something? Does it vary? Uh, yeah, it varies. Right now, I just try to keep, do a small edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, before, I used to do sometimes a little bit up to 20. But right now, I'm, I've been doing less. Like um, Sometimes I do like 10, 15. The last uh, project that I did with uh, Soulful Graphics, and with, uh, it was for a portfolio. And it was one Teddy Prince that I did. Wow. And it, it was two images and one image. And each one was like, I forget. I read if it was like 60. Yeah. It's 60. So it was 120 plus proof. It was like 130, I guess. But that's, yeah. a lot of, that's a lot of prints. It was good. It, 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 it was with, invited by the, another printmaker. It was it's amazing. Do you ever work with additional people or is it always just you? The last time that I done it was, have it, it's been a while. It was in El Paso, Texas with, uh, with Manuel Guerra. Uh, the studio is called Horn, Horn Toad. 
print shop. Mm -hmm. so they do an edition of two, two relief prints that I, I worked there. I was, I, it was like a, a res residency in Paso, Texas. And yeah, after that, I did, I guess, one piece in Oaxaca when I was visiting. Mm -hmm. But uh, after that, no, I, I always got the chance to. Oh, no, I'm lying. Another one uh, here at the University La Sierra with uh, an artist, Timuso. He's a relief, mm -hmm. relief artist. So. Okay. No, like old times, just every once in a while. Yeah, I like it. And I meant to ask a question because I really liked the fact that you said that you learned to kind of just deal with your mistakes and move on, that, that you learn to adapt very quickly. Um, you know, if something doesn't work, you just have to scratch it and start over again if that's what it takes, but you kind of learn to accept those mistakes. Have you ever applied that philosophy or realized that you were applying that same philosophy to life in some kind of respect? <laughs> uh, well, I, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, probably, I mean, I done it because uh, I, when I moved here, it's just like sometimes uh, I didn't know for how long I was going to be here in, in this country. And it would, you know, I just like have to like, kind of like figure out myself. Even like, no matter what, what is the space? Where is the space that I'm gonna be working with it? Or like, what's what are the materials that I'm gonna have on my hand? And and now, yeah, actually, and actually too, like, when I'm gonna be leaving? Because I, I've been, I mean, even that I've been in, uh, I've been in Riverside. I've been moved. I've been, I've been lucky and like. If, being uh, blessed to be like moving around because of my artwork. Mm -hmm. uh, um, so yeah, sometimes I have to like try to like see how that can be applied in my life. You know, like in my especially nowadays how everything has has been changed. So you just have to like kind of see what's the next step you know to take. And so I guess it, it goes with it because. Yeah, you cannot separate like you cannot separate all the way the way that you like create uh your artwork like whatever you want to call it with with your life you know mm -hmm. you can do filters probably but uh, i mean there's always a way there's always the way this connected wow yeah i like i like that that art and life you know <laughs> i always ask my students you know does life imitate art or does art imitate life you know and it's it is they're two sides of the same coin i think i think it's beautiful to realize that it's all interconnected so uh, we're interviewing you during the time of you know covid19 sheltering in place and california has some fairly strict rules right now right um how do you see this whole scenario i didn't want to bring it up but since I know, we're talking right. scenarios yeah, I, 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 my question to you is do you find that you know gallery spaces and showing art will change with all of this or is it just temporary um it's going to change because i mean for what you perceive more about like in the arts the people is more uh i want to see not all because even this time you've you, you see how people start like questioning about like this is fake what's happening and you're like no this is not but for the most part most of the people they're like involved in arts they're like more open-minded people so i feel that i don't know how they will feel like going to exhibitions you know i mean it's needed but i, I mean we're artists you know so I, I, I actually somebody will invite me to an exhibit and next couple months to go and see it i wouldn't go and see it you know because it's like it's not safe so i don't know how like galleries they they're gonna change the the way to like to to approach uh, public, you know, and to mm -hmm. approach like consumers, too, like how could how the consumers are like in this situation to like to be um, buying art, you know. I mean, of course, there's always the way, but it's like the way they is is kind of shift for uh, for many. It, it already shift for many like artists, you know, who are just involved in this creative uh, field. But um, yeah, California's been like serious my the place where i have my address right now riverside it has a lack on uh 
when the approach was at the beginning, but uh, they started loosening up their like their restrictions, and it was like it was not it was a decision not take it in a in a in not a the best sense way. Mm -hmm. They didn't listen, so they were like, it's, it, it, it was it's not a good thing. So, I mean, there it's been already seen like how what happened to places they they opened their they opened their states or their counties before you know. So things get worse. So I don't know how it's gonna be like here, like always, always. But other parts of California, Los Angeles, they're keeping it all all the way to August. I guess same with the San Francisco, the Bay Area. Those are the places that I move more. But uh, yeah, everything that I have done has been like it's been changed. It's changed totally. Yeah. Do you rely a lot on uh, showing at galleries more so than you would sell via like Instagram or do you sell any work online? Uh, the way that I do sell my work is more like by word, word of mouth. Um, even the way that I, I kind of like people approach me because I don't, I don't, I have the Instagram and I have a, I have a blog. I just have a couple of websites, but I never really like, I've always fallen into like updating my websites all the time because I mean I have stuff in life they have to like be taken care of so it's hard to like you know balance that. So I rely rely all, all over them the my Instagram and yeah just like people sending message to me an email. I just like I set up everything for them and it's more like the old school you know ask me and I send you this and I know what I have. That's that's the way. Um, galleries, yeah, it, it works. It works in the way that you can like. If I don't make a sale, I for sure I'm gonna have another project coming up. It could be for a mural, it could be for a commission, but it, it's always a benefit out of a gallery. So there's no way to me like that I'm I'm leaving a gallery with an empty hands, you know. So it's it's always good. So the other way to me is I, I do murals to. I do demos and I do like workshops and so that's another way for me to in for my income but yeah all, all of that like have totally changed. That's good that you found ways to supplement your income um you know through demonstrate demos and and workshops and things um so so yeah clearly I, I, I would love a couple of your prints I will we'll talk about that after the show so I recently read that Oaxaca is the cultural center of the Mexico, meaning that's where you should go for the arts. But then I hear <laughs> that, then I hear that Colima is the, the, you know, the leading center for the arts. So, so who is it in Mexico? Uh, I haven't been in Colima. I have a friend in Colima. She's a, uh, she's an uh, artist illustrator. Her name is Abril. But uh, I don't know any, I don't know that much about Col Colima. If you like art, yeah, you like Oaxaca. It's a small, it's it's a, it's even it's a small city, but there's a lot to see and do. And always like a lot of artists, they, every time that they like, they go there, they like it, they always go back. Yeah, you run into with other artists in, in Oaxaca city. Even after coming here, I hear about like uh, some artists that visit there and every time that I was like, oh yeah, I'm from Oaxaca. They're, they always like have a good memories to like talk about it. There's a lot of um, print, print studios in Oaxaca too. And uh, one of the artists they uh, support um, arts culture there, it was uh, Francisco Toledo, Toledo who died like a year ago. Mm -hmm. So he was um, an artist who did like printmaking, paintings, um, sculptures. He was involved in that. Uh, socially in, in Oaxaca. So, and yeah, he, a lot of people used to go and they, there was a biblioteca who's, what's called like Instituto de Artes Gráficas de Oaxaca, huge library. So there was people that used to go and just wait for him there. It seemed like people waiting for an hour just for, for him to take a picture or like an autograph. He, he was the, like, a, like a star there. So yeah, Oaxaca's always good to go. To go and visit, yeah, if you can. Yeah, I, you know, I've been invited numerous times, and my wife and I talk about going this year, if not next year. And so much for this summer and travel, you know, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Pero, pero quizás next year. I, I, I really would love to see it. I hear it's just a gorgeous, 
gorgeous, yeah. gorgeous uh, state. Yeah. Uh, so, so Pavel, I, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to sitting back and having a little casual conversation about your art, about your passions, you know. So just like El Comalito led me down the rabbit hole of finding you, who should our listeners be looking out for? Like if they're on Instagram, who should they be searching for? What are other artists should they be following? You know, talking a little bit about what you would like, Jake is his name, the last artist, and about mm -hmm. space. Uh, I think it's really important to like look at the like we were talking to like about the independent cultural spaces and the DIY spaces because those spaces they're always like open with any like creative uh, folks and they're always it's always good to like uh, to support them to look at them uh, because you see like many artists you can look at it it's like a it's like a directory so I will say like Comalito is one of the spaces there it has always like good stuff to look at it. and yeah, I, I seek for them because I, I didn't like what they were like having there's this other um, space in um, in El Paso is called Horn Toad uh, Press uh, have but I'll give you the, the profile. And this studio works with a lot of artists, especially in El Paso. El Paso has like great artists, specifically because they work with artists from around, across the state. And actually they work with other artists like in Mexico. So they, they tour around Mexico with uh, some print, small print shops and they put these catalogs. I've been part of them. And this artist, his name is Carl Whittaker. He he support uh, a lot of my 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 print studio when I opened it for the first time at the Urge Palette. So the team press that I have is because of him. So he helped me out with that part. So and he helped out all, all other artists and it's a, it's a great community. So when you look at them, you see all this like um, artists work and you buy one of the catalogs. You, you you buy almost or you buy a original from each artist. So. Those ones, there's another, um, other uh, cultural spaces like, for example, social graphics, um, they do classes. Uh, in, in the Bay, I was a part of this uh, art institute called Kala, that's the name. That's another one, like they do classes. They're like, they're a lot of like com community oriented. So those are the places that I always like, like to go and see. And yeah, please do if you can support them if you can. That's us. That would be great. Well, that's a, that's a fantastic message for everyone that's listening, whether you're driving or at home. We'll provide all those links down below in the description. You don't have to run around and write these names down. We'll try to provide links so you can go check out their work because it is very important that you support these small businesses that are trying to bring the arts to your community. Um, yeah. They, they engage the next, you know, you, you have to think about the next generation that's walking through those, through those doors and being inspired by Pavel and by Jake and, and by the artwork that El Comalito brings to you and all these other places. So um, just please, please uh, don't forget about the little guy, little guy. Yeah, it's, it's fine to talk about the museums and the large scale galleries, but it's these small cultural centers that really, you know, open up the doors for for cultural art, really, like for, for Latinx-inspired artwork that you won't find anywhere else. So please just uh, keep that in mind next time you're, you're thinking about going to this place or that place. Maybe it's that cultural center in, in your community. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And yeah, make sure that you reach out to these artists and buy some original artwork. There's nothing like a statement piece in a living room or your bedroom or, or down a hallway where it's, you could tell that it came strictly from the artist's fingertip. You can sense it, smell it, um, original artwork. Yes, it depends on, on your, on your budget and if you can afford it or not, but you know, other options are reproductions. I encourage you to go out there and yes, artwork is for you for, for those listening to this podcast, anyone can own a piece of art. I mean, there's it, it doesn't devalue, and it would mean a, a lot to the artists that are up and coming or more established artists like Pavel, but you definitely should think about supporting their work in that way. Yes. All right, Pavel. Hey, I appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much. You, oh, thank you. you. You're a delight to talk to. Um, thank you, Seven. Um, I, I, I love... I love your art and I'm going to go back and stare at it a little bit more after this podcast. I'll also 
put a link on there on our podcast, uh, you know, just linking your, your Instagram and your speedball. Is there another website that they should be checking out? No, that's it. Oh yeah. I actually forgot. Yeah. Speedball. Yeah. Check it out. Speedball. They have, they've been doing a lot of like live demos. I've been doing some with them. So if you're going to be home, yeah, check them out. They, they have a, this uh, on their website, they have a roster of printmakers and it's all, you, you will have enough time to go there and look at them. Everybody has an amazing work in it and Spiegel is like, yeah, it's a great family. Yeah, check them out. And if someone at home is wanting to start, you know, the, the relief process and trying to print something on their own, what are the basic tools that they might need for that? Uh, if they're going to be doing everything at home, people is the one that uh, will have this to start kit. If the first materials, you, yeah, you will get it from them. Get any of their materials just to just to print at home. We did an ID with them. We did together uh, a demo for like this. When they stay at home, started. Mm-hmm. So one about like what was the materials to use only print at home and just print with your hands. What was the materials? Yeah, there's actually YouTube the video, so you can see everything is in there. Any other questions? Yeah, happen email there. Just shoot me these questions. Definitely. Perfect, perfect, beautiful. Hey, thank you for offering that to our listeners. Yeah, thank you. Hey, Pavel, it was it was a pleasure again. You have a good night. Have a good Memorial Day. Um, <laughs> I hope you. to talk to you again someday. Okay. Yeah. All right. You. Have a good night. You too. Gracias a todos for joining us um, for for this uh, interview with Pavel Acevedo. Join us in the upcoming weeks with El Comalito Collective. We got uh, Nathan Orozco, we have Noe Alvarez, and many, many more artists. And we'll keep them coming your way. Um, really, what we need from you is your support. So keep listening. Make sure you share the podcast with your friends, your loved ones, your brothers, your sisters, your tias, your tios, um, anybody. It'd be nice to get some more listening ears. Um, and also just check out that website for a continued growing list of artists' profiles and and swag make sure you check that out and go get some art supplies go create i think i think the best way to really appreciate what we got here is to realize that anyone everyone is innately kind of in tune to to generate something creative whether it be through music whether it be uh, a drawing a doodle a painting sculpting play with that play-doh that your son left out on the table or those legos and just any kind of creative act will uh will benefit you it's it's got tremendous amounts of benefits so make sure you check that out make sure you do some of that all right until next time we are at cs con sapos that next creative podcast and see you next time